1: Welcome to episode 16 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker, and normally him, Sam Davis, but he's away this week with his fiance Alex, in Greece because they're getting married. So big congrats to those guys, and Sam will be back next week for the usual nonsense. So it's just me for a bit of the show, but we do have a special guest as Rob Frank will once again be joining us to talk cherries in a little while. And as it is compulsory to be wearing a Bournemouth shirt while listening to this podcast, I can confirm that I have matched our team's kit from the game versus Morecambe by wearing the new blue away shirt, possibly my favourite away shirt for quite some time. What do you think? Let us know via our Twitter or Facebook pages. It's definitely better than the fluoro, surely? So, coming up on the show today... We review the defeat to West Ham at the London Stadium and discuss our start to the season, which sees us sat on zero points after two games, just like last year, but maybe with a few more warning signs than 12 months ago? We then also review the just-finished match in the EFL Cup away at Morecambe, which saw the Cherries progress to the next round, albeit not as comfortably as we would have liked. I'll bring you the latest club news, complete with spectacular slash awful puns. Yeah, I haven't written them yet, so this could be interesting. And then we'll preview our upcoming Premier League game away at Crystal Palace. So let's hear your fan thoughts following that defeat to West Ham. But to start, we'll find out what Jamie Redknapp thinks of our start to the season so far.
2: I thought Ball were poor today. Considering against West Ham, with so many players missing,
1: and how I watched them play last year, yes, they fell away towards the end of last season, but I felt second half they did marginally better, but there was a big opportunity to get a result here today. I'm not seeing the same zest, the same energy. I'm not seeing a team that play as well as what they did last year. They had a real understanding and idea. One or two players, the levels dropped significantly. And I know it's only two games into the season. But if they'd have got a point here, I'm sure they'd have thought, great result because we're not playing well yet. I still think they've got a lot of work to do Bournemouth, And I was disappointed in them today. Hi there, it's John from Ferndown, living in Manchester. Well, that was depressing uh, for the most part. and um, really disappointed to see what's happening to... Bournemouth at the moment I know it's only two games in but I'm starting to think that Louis van Gaal has found his way into Bournemouth somehow um, the, the build up play is just so slow at the moment and every every single player seems to be taking an extra two touches um, on the ball before they make the pass and I think Andrew Zerman of Harry Arter have just forgotten how to pass the ball forward um, It's it's a little bit worrying but it's not the end of the world at the moment it's only two games in um there's still time to change around um
0: and I'm trying to stay positive if I can but uh here's hoping it changes when the Morgan game comes around okay cheers hey guys Chase again checking in from rainy Florida uh just got done watching the West Ham fixture I think we were a bit unfortunate not to get a point from today's match um I think like Eddie said we'll probably come back to regret not getting something out of this fixture um I think the first half was kind of kind of dull to be honest, um, but we did come back out bright out of the out of the uh, out of the gate in the in the second half. Um, I didn't think West Ham really had that great of a game either. I knew they were a bit banged up; they didn't have uh, a few of their uh, of their uh, players like Payette and Andy Carroll and Lanzini, Cresswell, uh, and so on. Um, so maybe that's a bit concerning that we played a depleted. West Ham and didn't get anything out of it. At the same time, I think when I looked at the schedule right off the bat before the season started, I thought it'd be lucky for us to get anything out of this fixture. It would have been nice to get a point, but uh, I think all eyes turned toward next week against Crystal Palace. If there is such thing as a must-win this early in the season, maybe Palace is it. Okay, thank you to John and to
1: Chase for their fan thoughts after that defeat to West Ham. And uh, interesting to hear Jamie Redknapp's comments there on uh, our poor start to the season. So at the weekend, the Cherries' first away game of the Premier League season saw the side visit the London Stadium for its debut as West Ham's new home as Bournemouth looked to get some points on the board after suffering opening day defeat to Manchester United. Eddie Howe made just one change to the team with Ryan Fraser coming in for the injured Lewis Cook. But alas, it was to be another day of defeat for the Cherries with Antonio climbing highest in the 85th minute to head home the winner just eight minutes after Harry Arter was sent off for a second bookable offence. We've got my old buddy Rob Frank, former Bournemouth season ticket holder, been in Sydney for a few years now. He's joining us a special guest in place of Sam. So hi, Rob. Thanks for being back on the show.
2: Hi, John. How you going?
1: Yeah, very well, matey. Now, um, Rob, let's just get straight to it. What did you think of the starting line-up when you saw it was just the one change?
2: Um, not hugely surprised, um, to be honest. Um, I thought, I, I guess, before knowing Lewis Cook was out, I thought possibly Nathan Ake might get a look in. Um, I guess when I saw Cook was out, the probably the surprise was that Fraser started... Rather than maybe something like Gradle, um, or possibly even Mark Pugh away from home, um, but but not massively surprised. I, I think Eddie looked pre-season at what he thought his side would be, and you don't make wholesale changes after one game. So,
1: yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. I, I was when I saw the teams walking out, and I saw Fraser there, the wee man. Yeah, that that did take me a little bit. Um, I was a bit surprised. I I thought we were going to try and keep that kind of midfield three, which was like you, I would imagine, with Cook out, that Aki would have come straight in. But yeah, just the one change. And good to see Fraser after his year of, well, ups and downs, really. Great form on loan at Ipswich and then obviously suffering that injury. But um, the first half, how did you think we did?
2: Look, I think there's, there's a lot being said about you know, we were too slow with the ball. There wasn't the the panache, the style, the attacking flair, and I and I go with that. At the same time, we're we're away from home to a very good side, and our keepers had nothing to do. So, I think from a defensive point of view, which I guess is where I would start, it was it was solid. I thought our two centre halves were outstanding, and and we didn't look really in any trouble. Albeit we we didn't give them any either.
1: No, I, I agree with you. Lots of comments yeah, have been online about you know our poor start. Um, and I've seen us, definitely we look like we don't want to concede goals this year, which is kind of ironic seeing as we've shipped four in two games. But yeah, we didn't really give them a sniff and we didn't have a sniff really at the other end. We weren't really producing much and it was actually a pretty dire first half of football. I mean, we were kind of known last year for neutrals tuning in to watch us, but after that first forty five I'd have thought there's probably a few people would have switched off.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was a non event to be honest. Um I, I don't think I thought Fraser did okay, but I thought he was maybe too narrow. I thought I was too narrow. I don't think Kengi can play anywhere other than right up top. Um and Callum is just not Callum at the moment and, and hasn't been since he came back and We've got to be patient. Maybe he needs a spell on the bench. But, yeah, we, we had no cutting edge whatsoever.
1: No, and I guess that's the worry, because other than, in the United game, it was, we other than the goal, I mean, we made De Gea make a save in stoppage time from Sermon. But that's my concern, is we're not troubling goalkeepers enough. And even in the second half, I mean, second half, actually, we did start, I think we started a lot brighter, didn't we? And do you think we seemed to pass the ball a bit quicker?
2: Uh, I, I don't know whether we passed the ball a little bit quicker, but I thought we got Josh King into the game. I thought we, he managed to find little pockets of space just dropping off the front that were causing them one or two difficulties. Um, I, I thought I'd stayed a little bit wider early in the second half, which which then opened up a little bit of space for him. Um, and, and we definitely did look brighter. I thought it was probably the one time that Sermon and... Arter got on top and it was hard for them, you know, the two of them in there up against their three. Um, But, but yeah, we, we did look as if we had a little bit about us for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. And then of course, um, what really didn't help us was then in the 77th minute where prior to that, you kind of thought it's still not a game of many chances, but you felt like, well, we're pretty comfortable for a point here and possibly we could sneak it. And then, West-hand break on the right-hand side, Arta's already been booked, drags him down, second yellow. I mean, that kind of foul is the foul that you see all the time, and it's one of those fouls which is kind of that you take a, a foul, you take a yellow card for it. Well, I've got two issues. We'll, we'll talk about his first yellow in a second, but the fact he was already on a yellow, for me, he should not even have been making that kind of challenge, bearing in mind where the player was, and it looked like we, it wasn't one-on-one with the goalkeeper, was he?
2: No, and I, look, I think I agree with you. It's one of those you see all the time and you, you're 15 minutes to go away from home, you might get caught on the count. You say, that that's a good yellow in as much as, you know, we'll take one from the team, get men behind the ball, get set. But he, he chased him down for 20, 30 yards and he must have known, if I touch him, I'm gone. And it isn't one of those split-second things where you lunge in and, oh, you know... Did, he had three, four, five seconds to think about what he was going to do. But he must have known, if I tug him, I'm gone. So, yeah, really, really disappointing.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. As I say, a lot's been made of the first one, and we'll, we'll talk about that now. But for me as well, there's, there's, the the decision-making on the second one was shocking. But go back to the first one then. Obviously, this year, there's the kind of new... Rule they've brought in, which is really to try and cut down on dissent, and no one can crowd a referee anymore. And if you say anything, you're going to go into the into the book, which I think's a long time coming. It's it's got it's been allowed to get to the stage now, and it's been I think because of FIFA, and you've got players like Rooney or their celebs that are on front covers of magazines and whatnot, and you know it'd be off every week. And I think that's been part of the reason why maybe they've delayed it, but. It had to come in, so we all knew where it was, and we've already seen it enforced pretty well up to this point. So Arta's, he's given, it's, a free kick's gone against him because there's a cross been hammered in. I actually think he's put his hand up to protect his face, so I actually do think it's a harsh um, free kick that's been given. But then he sarcastically claps the linesman and says something to the line-out, and of course straight away there's yellow, and that's just so infuriating, isn't it?
2: It is, um, and, and probably look, you, you, you probably could give the free kick because yes, I think he was hand up protecting his face. But then you say hands in an unnatural position. The fact is, it was a corner anyway. So all it effectively is is they have a set piece about eight yards closer than what it would have been. It's hardly a massive decision. So it's 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 a really childish thing for him to do. And the problem was, and I don't know if you said it, I'm sure plenty of people did, I was sat watching with the boys and we said it straight away, how is he going to get through the rest of the game? He can't make a tackle now. And we all know that's how Harry plays. Um, and and him more than anyone in our squad, because of the way he plays, and, and I don't ever want him to change in the combative player he is because it's made him what he is. He's got to stop that because then he can't make a tackle. So what, what does Eddie have to do? Does he have to substitute him? because it's better not to have Harry out there, but to have someone than to play with 10.
1: And we've seen that before, haven't we? We have seen that in games where we've had a player like Arthur or going back in the past, or we've had lots of different players that kind of similar mold where you see the substitution and it's a, He's coming off before he's sent off just because that's a big part of his game gone now. And like, that's what's frustrating for me. If we were still League One and you had him doing that, you're like, well, that's why this player's a League One player, because he can't sort that attitude. It was was like we always used to talk about Wade Elliott. People used to complain about his crossing. And it was like, well, if he could cross accurately, he'd be playing Premier League. He wouldn't be here.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Now we're Premier League. You have to be top of your profession. And I guess that's where it was like, hopefully it will get through to Harry maybe from now on. But with the red card, I mean, it's been, it's been said that, well, that red card has cost us the cost us a point. Would you agree with that?
2: No, because I think there are times where we need to be good enough to see games out with 10 men. Um So no, I don't think so. I think, like, I think Ake came straight on and that's fair enough. Personally, I would have looked at, and I, and I said this at the time before the goal. I would have looked at taking off Ryan Fraser and bringing on Brad Smith. So, you, because I'm I'm looking at it saying, okay, let's just shut up shop, go home with a point. Um, you know, I, d- I don't quite understand if that's our mentality, and I think it maybe it wasn't our mentality to shut up shop, but I think it should have been. I think it should have been shut up shop, take a point. Why we don't bring Brad Smith on to double up with Daniels? um but yeah the, the, you can say the sending off cost us a point but i also say the goal was massively preventable and we we probably should have been able to hold on given that west ham hadn't created anything or given us any problems at all
1: yeah i'd agree and so with that goal it was scored by antonio in the 85th minute but um there was we just looked I did think our fitness, we looked a little bit slow and the ball would come into the box and then it kind of went back out wide. And Adam Smith went out to close down the, the cross from coming in. But for me, it was a little bit laboured to get there in the first place. And then and then Eddie said we never should have let the cross come in. We really shouldn't. It was just far too easy to clip a great cross to the back post. I don't, There's nothing Boric can do as a goalkeeper with that kind of cross. It's just no. a brilliant cross. There's Antonio and Daniels. Again, you could question the fact that Daniels seems to be on the the backside of Antonio and not in front. But I mean, there was only ever one person who was going to win that header, wasn't it?
2: Uh, my my issue with this one, and if you if you watch the footage right when the first cross comes in from their right hand side and goes across goal, from the moment that happens, Charlie Daniels' body position is terrible. He is purely watching the ball. He doesn't know Antonio's there. He doesn't know where Antonio is. If he if he was aware he was there, he may have competed when that cross came into the back stick, or, or, albeit, like you say, it was a great cross. Um, but he had no idea he was there because his body shape was really poor. So uh, for me, when it's something as basic as that, it is preventable.
1: Yeah, and again, I mean, it's something that comes back to haunt us, it seems time and time again, is a lot of the goals that we can see, do you often look back at them and go, do you know what? we weren't undone there by brilliance we were undone because nah. we didn't do our job properly
2: exactly yeah totally agree
1: so after that we did have well in the, in the second half we did have a couple of chances didn't we to to score and some adrian did some good stuff to keep out uh joshua king there was the rasping effort that he had from from outside the box which i thought that was in when i saw it
2: yeah that was a great strike great great strike really good save um Probably, probably not right in the top corner where I thought it was at first, but still, a, still a top, top class save. Yeah,
1: and then right, right near the end, we almost snatched it where there was the turn and the shot, which uh, from King again, and then I think someone yeah. then headed it back towards, or had another shot, which Cannon then off our defenders' head and cleared, didn't they?
2: Yeah, I think I think possibly it was from this with the rebound. Um, yeah, look, maybe on another day it goes in. We all go home happy. Um, it wasn't to be. It's yeah, it's one of those things.
1: No, but I didn't really look at that even then and go, "Oh, I had desperately unlucky." Like across the whole, I don't know, across no, the whole run of no, the game. I think I think a one nil defeat, as hard as it is to say, was probably well deserved.
2: See, I, I, I personally thought a nil nil because I, I don't think either side did anywhere near enough to win the game. But you know, we we switched off and made a mistake, and they didn't. So then you you've got to give them credit and say there's your three points. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So after that defeat, we are currently bottom of the Premier League table. Zero points with a goal distance of minus three. But in the midweek, we had a chance to get our first runs on the board when we took on Morecambe in the EFL Cup. And we are going to give you a review of that game because we've waited until that match finished to bring you this show. But before that, I've just got to run into my news booth because I've got the club news. And with that Sam not here, it's typical. I reckon I've done the best puns I've ever done. So here they are. This is club news. News. Cherries hope they don't get pressed on in the EFL Cup second round. Following the second round victory away at Morecambe, the Cherries will now host Preston North End in the third round of the tournament, formerly known as the League Cup. Preston are currently in the relegation zone of the Championship after a poor start which has seen them win just one but lose three games to start their season. However, a 2-0 victory at home to League One side Oldham Athletic means they will travel to the Vitality Stadium to compete for a fourth round place with the tie due to be played in the week commencing 19th of September. I, uh, be back for three cherry stars. Hariata... Eunan O'Kane and Mark Wilson have all made it back into the latest Republic of Ireland squad for their upcoming friendly versus Oman and then the World Cup qualifier away at Serbia. Arta and Wilson were both ruled out of potentially being part of the Euro 2016 squad due to injury while O'Kane was overlooked for the final selection to travel to France. In other international AFCB news, Adam Federici now has a flying companion for his long trips to join the Australian squad. Now fellow Aussie Brad Smith is in the Cherries' ranks. Both players are set to be involved in their World Cup qualifying ties against Iraq and the UAE. TK is once again in the South Africa squad. And wee man Ryan Fraser is part of the Scotland Under-21 squad for their upcoming Euro qualifiers. 19 plus 3 equals a happy cherry. Bournemouth's number 19, Junior Stanislas, has committed his future to AFC Bournemouth in the past week by signing a new three year deal with the club. Having not appeared much during the championship winning season, the winger played a vital part in key victories during the Premier League season during his 21 appearances. Possibly, most notably, his last-minute equaliser versus Everton and also the opening goal in the victory at home to Manchester United. Junior told the official website, Personally, I want to improve on last year. I want more goals, more assists and to help push the team forward. AFC B club News OK, so there you go, listener, this week's club news. And uh, obviously, normally Sam's here to uh, tell me how terrible my puns were. But uh, honestly, this week, I'm super happy. H- cherries hope they don't get pressed on in the EFL Cup second round. See, pressed on because with cherries, you can get squashed. Yep, great. Got that. I uh, be back. Yes. <laughs> Just patted myself on the back. And then the last one. Uh, it was just a throwaway because the, the other two were so good, and I ran out of time. So nineteen plus three. Don't e- don't even worry about that. But um, your pun headlines after the West Ham game. Uh, let's have a little look. See what we got. We have one here from Robert Murphy, which is at Rob AFCB one three. I'm struggling to think of a positive pun headline after that. Uh, not quite what we're after, but, yep. Yeah, no, it's a good pun headline, I guess. Uh, thank you, Rob. And then Ross Devonport from the USA. USA. Here we go. Harry Art Erz as West hampered by injuries. Sip 1-0 on watered-down weak cherry juice of an attack. <gasps> and breathe. Wow, Ross, thank you for that. Fun headline. That's good work. Good work. Thank you, guys. Do remember you can send them in after every show at afcbpodcast.com or on our Facebook page, Back of the Net, uh, the AFC Bournemouth Podcast. You can find us on there. Give us your pun headlines after the games. But now let's move on because we held off doing the show until after the Morecambe game and it was either a case of, oh no, I hope we didn't get knocked out in some shocker or maybe we won. We did win. And coming up is my match review with Rob Frank. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. So the Cherries travelled a long way up north to take on League Two high-flying Morecambe in the second round of the EFL Cup, or the League Cup as we still know it by. Now, Maxie Gradle gave Bournemouth the lead in just the eighth minute, but the lead only lasted for six minutes as Stockton struck back for Morecambe. Mark Wilson sealed the victory with his first goal in English football in six years as he struck a well hit effort from outside the area in the 54th minute to bring the win. Now, there were 10 changes made to the starting lineup from the West Ham game, as most of us probably expected. So, Federici started in goal. Francis retained his place in the starting lineup as right back. Brad Smith left back, with Ake and debutant Mark Wilson at centre backs. Stanislav's was on the right, Gradle on the left with Lewis Cook and Dan Gosling in the middle. And then up front, we had Graben Anaphobe. So Rob, yeah, I guess line up pretty much as we expected, really giving a run out to people we haven't seen much of yet.
2: Yeah, probably what we would have largely expected. I guess I didn't expect Frano to play. I thought either Pure or Arcane might've played at right back. Cause I think they'd both played there a bit in pre-season, but yeah, pretty pretty much where we would have expected the side to be.
1: Do you think that back four potentially is Eddie wanted to run that as I think this could be our Premier League starting back four?
2: I think I think you can definitely make a case for it, although that would be tough on Steve Cook, who I think's been probably our best player the first two games. Um no, I, I thought it was solid. I, I actually thought the first twenty minutes we might struggle to gel blow um, over the pitch, but but it, we didn't really. Um, I, I was I was pretty impressed with what I saw. Give, given you know the opposition, I've I've read some stuff since the game. People have said you know ridiculous. We should have buried this lot. Blah blah blah. I don't remember when we were a Division One, you know League One, League Two side when we got drawn at home in the cup to someone from a high division and thinking to ourselves and saying to ourselves, well, this lot are going to come down, they're going to make 10, 11 changes, and they'll still steamroll of us. We never said that. We always fancied our chances in a one-off. So I don't think now that we supposedly are a big club, we, we think we should run these sides off the pitch like they're a pub team.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And especially in light of the fact that this is a side that are coming into this game in, well, in a lot better form than than we are as well.
2: Yep, full of confidence, scoring goals, um, going well. Um, yeah, every, everything. look, the B and sports cameras were there for a reason. Everything was set for an upset.
1: Yeah, it was. And um, I guess the upset didn't look on the cards when, yeah, just at the eighth minute when Maxi Gradle popped up. Uh, it was actually a pretty well-hit shot. I think it was just inside the area, tucked it right inside the corner off the post. Um, prior to that we'd had a fair amount of the ball and kind of we'd been getting, And this is true in most, most of the game actually I felt we were getting the ball into that final third um, in a lot better shape than we have done in our opening two games
2: yeah look, our, our ball movement was crisp quick sharp players were finding pockets of space I'd expect us to find a little bit more space against Morecambe than we will against Manchester United um, you know, movement off the ball was good though. Um, really interesting if you think about Maxi's goal, given that he was playing left wing, he essentially popped up just inside the inside right channel. Um, so Eddie's definitely given the wide men more license to, to roam and field this, this season. Um, but I thought it was, you know, deserved lead given, given our start. I thought we'd started the game brightly, we'd popped it around nicely. And, and yeah, very very well taken goal.
1: Yeah, although they did have their moments in those first say fifteen minutes or so, where they they seemed yeah when they got they got the young lad up front uh, done. I think it was he's the guy from Liverpool who looked like a good threat. And then um, we conceded actually a pretty again a pretty poor goal really. And Eddie said afterwards that they were aware of their threat from long throws, and that was what happened. They put a long throw into the box, which was flicked on. I think it was actually flicked on by Brad Smith and it fell to Stockton, took a nice touch, nice turn. Uh, Wilson was his marker and then he's put it in the bottom corner. So again, though, defensively, Rob, probably not a great goal to concede.
2: Yeah, I I actually think Brad Smith got a nudge in the back. Um, it was interesting seeing Big Fletch sat there in the front row of the stands because it was a sort of free kick he always used to give away as a target man, just a little forearm in the back. Um, but look, we 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 do need to be dealing with it a little bit better. I don't I don't know whether it was down to Brad Smith. I I don't think Mark Wilson did a lot wrong individually in in allowing his player to get half a turn on him. Just just collectively, we just got to be better with balls into the box.
1: Yeah, and of course, then once the goal went in, that gave them a little bit of um bit of a fight, bit of a lift, and. It Then I, we still tried to retain the ball pretty well. I had some issues with... There was too many times for me when we were in that final third, though, where our first touch was poor. We'd play it into a striker or a midfielder in an attacking position, and it was almost like we just took our eye off the ball and it was bounced off. And then uh, there was like these aimless dribbles that kind of I've been guilty of in the first couple of games where you're almost running straight at the defender into trouble. And there was just a lot of that. We just... The word clinical comes up to mind that we just still not clinical in the final third, are we?
2: Well, we don't shoot, so there's there's one issue. Like, the number of times you think, just pull the trigger from 20, 25 yards. Um, We we look for these little one-twos, these little angled balls, slip down the side of defenders. If you pull the trigger a couple of times from 25 yards players are going to come out and shut you down. As soon as players come out and shut you down, that creates the space for you to play these little angled balls that you want to play. Um And our, our reticence to shoot is starting to get just a little annoying, to be perfectly honest. Um, But yeah, I, I, we we seem to play really well up to the final third and we stroked it around nicely. I thought Maxi had a fantastic game, Um really looked to cut above. Um Junior, not quite on his game, but first game backs so possibly understandable. I thought Graven had a decent game first half. Um, just, just playing off the front in that number 10 position, because I think he's got the touch, the awareness, the vision to do that and to play those little balls like he did for Smithy's goal against United. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It was like, get 25 yards out and then what do we do now? Do we just try and walk it into the net?
1: But then this is the kind of, this is the thing that we said over the last few games we've had this where we just don't seem open to shooting and a case in point which we didn't mention we were talking about the the West Ham uh, review a little bit earlier, but of course was that chance where I was in the box and I mean that was clear as day he should have shot, but to me that that wasn't an instruction not to shoot, that was just, I think I don't know whether it was confidence or whatever, whereas lots of times we're in and around the edge of the area and it Definitely. It's a tactic, which is we're trying to get the ball into a better scoring position in the box. And I've heard this a lot from different coaching styles and whereby um, they do the stats. We've got so many statos now within clubs and there's lots of these different stats, which is if you shoot outside the area, you only have X amount percentage chance. Whereas if you can fashion one decent chance in the area, Versus four outside the area. Well, there's a much better chance you're going to score. But at the moment, that's just not. The numbers aren't stacking up, are they?
2: They're not stacking up because we're not creating anything inside the box. Um, Our wide men aren't really playing wide now. They've they've come in field, so we're not we're not getting to the bar line and getting balls into the box. Um, We don't tend to just toss crosses in, which is great. I'd never want to really want to see us do that. So unless we're working these intricate little one, two, three touch moves on the edge of the box, we're we're not fashioning any openings. And you know, I never felt we were in any trouble in this game at all. But at the same time, you you see how easy it is for them to nick one off a set piece, and, and and it does worry you
1: yeah it does and uh, well even even we were almost uh, well mark wilson almost gave a gave a goal he had two moments throughout the game which maybe if you're listening you may not have seen the game but there was two times where mark wilson passed the ball back to federici and it was like an absolute rocket now the first one he had Federici actually had to run back, didn't he? And literally just towed it off the line. And then the second Toed one... off
2: the line for a throw-in, yeah. Yeah,
1: and then later on in the game as well, there was another one that he had to kind of control off his thigh. So that they were potentially a couple of good chances there. But also Federici, was, he was made to work. A lot of the saves, I, I think, if he hadn't saved them, you'd be asking serious questions. And they did push a little bit. Um, but then on the 54th minute... A goal from, well, probably the one player that you'd never expect to score given his stats, but Mark Wilson
2: Well yeah, he's not been around long enough to know that you don't shoot from outside the box so that was his first problem <laughs> um, but but no, I mean it was a fantastic strike um, at first I wondered if it had taken a little deflection, but no he cut across it um, and it swerved away from the keeper into the bottom corner Um and, and I mean, it was no more than we deserved. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. We we were much the better side, and we deserved to win the game. But yeah, certainly, certainly a little bit of relief when that went in because um, it, it meant we could, you know, just just play our football bit.
1: Yeah, and it was it was a it was an interesting strike. Watching it back on replay, if you can watch it online, it's the swerve of the ball. So the ball comes into the box. It's knocked out to Gosling, who at first I thought was going to do what. Richie did against Sunderland where he was going to take a touch to flick it up and then volley it in but as you said he obviously That's he right. he'd yeah. got he'd got the memo even though the Bournemouth fans were, were crying out shoot so he's controlled it he's laid it out to Wilson towards the left hand side he's had so much time to kind of turn come back in and then he's done one of those shots where it's kind of he's cut across the ball with his right foot and it looks like it's going to go left and then it's swerved slightly to the right it actually ended up going pretty close to the goalkeeper but there was quite a lot of ball movement and there was also a lot of bodies in the way. So yeah, you, there were, you kind of take it. And then f- from then on, obviously we'd got that goal. We did look fairly comfortable. Um, I would have liked to have seen us got another goal or two. Um, a had an, a great chance where there was an underhit back pass. Hey, we've heard that before. And a has got before the goalkeeper. I think he probably could have just towed it straight past the goalkeeper then, but he tried to go round him, but he, There was just no speed and no angle on it, and it was easily saved, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, look, Ryan said straight away, why didn't he just dink it over him um, when we were watching it? Um, His touch, in terms of his touch around the keeper, was the touch of a man who, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's injury or what else is going on, is sadly lacking in confidence. Um, He is not the Benneka-Fobe that we signed in January, um, he, his, it, I, th- I think his failure to take that chance summed up his whole game He did not cause him any problems His movement wasn't particularly good He didn't look a threat um, And when the chance came to him I, I, There was no point uh, in, in the whole 5-6 seconds Where you thought, yeah, he's looking confident And he'll take this chance
1: Yeah, I agree, agreed. And I think he was kind of kept on, I think, because they were kind of hoping, well, maybe somewhere a goal's going to come out and he's going to get his chance. That's right, yeah. But then looking at his goals he got last year, a lot of them relied... On that nice quick delivery into the box, which the a, a, bit yeah. like, a bit like, bit like Greg Murray. Like with Murray, it was well. We know yeah. his strength. Put the ball in the box early; he'll have a chance. If you muck around with it, he's out of the game. And it's kind of the, the same with the Fobe at the moment. And he did stay on, but yeah, no, no goal was there. Um, they they had a chance right near the end. Pretty good shot that Federici had to dive to the left. Um, Chris Temple on Solent was making it sound like it was a Gordon Banks wonder save, but in reality, again, if he oh, had a save, pretty league, Yeah, you'd be you'd be a bit worried about it. But um, in terms of special mentions, Rob, um, I know you in particular, and also Willow on Solent were very impressed with Nathan Aki at centre back.
2: I thought it was outstanding. I thought I just thought if if you want to look at uh, you know uh, I guess a stereotypical Dutch defender, that's Nathan Acker. He's good on the ball, he's calm, he's relaxed. Uh, he, for someone who's actually relatively short um, as a centre-back, he doesn't lose anything in the air, so he's got a good spring on him. Um, I, I was just massively impressed with him, to be honest.
1: Yeah, he and he looked like he was totally bossing the back line as well, which I liked
2: yeah yeah he 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 just looked like a player who was very very comfortable within his own game.
1: Yeah. And I mean, obviously they you know were starting to pump a few balls in the box and he, yeah, you're right. He dealt with pretty much every single one that came in. And then as it happened, they chucked their goalkeeper up right near the end who he'd actually scored last year. He got an equaliser for them in a game there. So um, he's a big lad, 6'5", I think he is. And he almost got on the end of a free kick that came into the box. But that was kind of as exciting as it got. And yeah, it should have been a bit more comfortable. And Eddie afterwards said he'd like to have seen us put a few more goals away. But as it happened, we're in the hat. And as we found out in club news, it's Preston North End at home, which given that the big sides were coming into the, the draw at that point, again, it's probably not a bad draw for us. It's not a lower level team who maybe would have really raised their game. It's a side at the moment struggling for form in the championship. So from our perspective... I know sometimes we look down on this cup competition, but with us needing to get confidence in players, who knows, this could be a really good step for us.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think first and foremost, a home draw is what everybody wants. Um, secondly, you want a home draw against a side that you think you can beat. And we are up against a side that I think we can beat. So yeah, no, no, no complaints, no issues.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to take this form of winning into our game at the weekend where we're back in Premier League action. And we are now in a few short moments going to be previewing the upcoming game against Crystal Palace. Hi, this is Steve Pershing. You're listening to Back of the Net. So it's a battle at the bottom this weekend in the Premier League as the Mighty Cherries visit Selhurst Park to take on a Crystal Palace side sat just one place above the bottom-dwelling Bournemouth with the same big fat donut as a points total. Now Palace's poor form from last season seems to have continued into this one with the pressure increasing on manager Alan Pardew to turn things around. Club record signing Christian Benteke looks set to make his first Premier League start for the Eagles as he was brought in this week to try and bring the club goals following his £27 million move from Liverpool. So, Rob, coming into our third game, how, how do you think it's gone so far with our season?
2: Um, look, the first game or two of a the season, they're always overhyped. Fans get. Overly excited, overly pessimistic. It's always the same, you know. You, you win your first one or two, you're going to win the league. You lose your first one or two, that's it. Sack the manager. We've had it. We're relegated. Uh, it's 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 somewhere in between. Obviously, um, we've lost at home to a side that will finish top two or three. Well, that happens. That's that's no big deal. Um, we've not quite held on for a point away at a side that will be up there or thereabouts. Um, You know, top six, top eight, probably. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Probably for me, the disappointment has been our our lack of energy, imagination, flair going forward. Um, So so that's probably the one thing for me that we need to, to really have a little look at.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, If you look at the points, uh, going into this season, when I looked at the fixtures, realistically, I think there was always a good chance that we'd come away with no points after the first two. Well, possibly even the first three games, to be honest. A trip away against Palace when you looked at the fixtures at the start, you thought, well, that's not going to be that tough, but not that uh, easy. But I guess for me, the the thing that does concern me is last year, yes, we were on zero points, but the Villa game was that was hype about us first game and it was um, getting used to the pace of the game, whatever. But then we had that game at Anfield where we had a really good go at them. And that's the only difference I'm thinking now is that there was a bit of momentum, even though we were on zero points, I just felt that it was like, well, that we can see that we're going to be okay. I do have con, some concerns at the moment with how we started in terms of our overall pace, the, the, the the energy doesn't seem to be there, and it's—is it Eddie's trying to just make us tighter at the back so we can't concede? Because last year we were a bit gung ho.
2: I think You're probably right, but I don't know. It—it it, it doesn't feel like it's in our DNA to do that. And when you look at the players we've signed, that's not what we've done. We—we we haven't signed, you know, your, your big holding number six in midfield and your big stopper centre back. We, we've signed attacking players with pace and flair and you know it was almost as if well you know we're just going to go out and give it another another right go and we haven't done that um now maybe it's because certain players haven't clicked yet um maybe it's because certain players aren't quite where we'd like them to be in terms of form and match sharpness um but it's not right and and there is reason to be slightly concerned but i don't think there's a reason to be massively, massively worried at
1: the moment. Yeah, I think that's, the the key is that we know there's the potential, we know the players that we've got, we should be making chances and we should be scoring goals and all that kind of stuff. I, I just worry that we just look at, at the moment, we do look a little bit aimless. It's like, we've always been known for having a really defined style and the players all know what we're doing. And yeah, maybe it's, it's, um, we're trying to adjust. But, like, when I look at Ive and the way Ive's been keeping the ball for so long and kind of killing the momentum, like, for me, that's just like... It, that. It's almost like he just signed three days before the first game and we haven't had a chance to kind of get him used to our team. But surely they've been working in training to try and work on the, on the system?
2: Well, he, I mean, he, for me, is simply trying too hard. It's like every time I get the ball, I've got to do something because I've got to justify why I'm here, why I'm essentially what you know, what you and I would call in, in this part of the world the marquee signing. Um, he's just trying too hard, I think.
1: But then you've got other players like we talked about Aphobe and Graben and these players kind of out of confidence. And it's like again, like why why is that why is that the case? <sighs>
2: Well, I, you know, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be in Eddie's job. But um, look, I agree with you. I think in, we, we thought we had an embarrassment of riches in the front third. In terms of players in form, it's probably not there at the moment. And, you know, from what I've seen, the only two players to me at the moment that look as if they're really, really likely to hurt teams and cause teams problems are probably um, King and Gradle
1: yeah, I think King's had a good start. Gradle, for me, I still... I know he, he played pretty well against Morecambe. I still want to see him dominate a Premier League game because I don't think we've seen that yet for him and I think he's got the potential. Now, interestingly, let's go back to the Morecambe game, talking about Palace and the squad. What did you think of Lise Mousset, who came on to make his debut?
2: Yeah, I liked him a lot. Um, I was i was actually really surprised how big he was, physically big. Um uh, i I'd, I'd heard he had pace, he could shoot off both feet, a bit of flair, but he held the ball up really well um i was I was really quite impressed with him,
1: yeah, me too and again, if you know if Wilson's not firing, if Fobay's not firing, if Gravin's not firing, then again, like you say, embarrassment of riches, at least we've got that to turn to now um so looking then to this palace game, I mean, I know we're a few days away, and there could be injuries, etc. but what do you think what would be your lineup for the game?
2: Oh, it's, it's it's a really tough one uh, because I think we've got fabulous squad depth this year but I'm not sure we've got a whole heap of really outstanding players who have to be in the sides I think we've just got a very, very well balanced squad so look, no, I'll go obviously Boric and goal I don't think he's done anything wrong uh, I'm bringing Brad Smith in at left back I have to say I've not been overly impressed with Daniels so far this season um, I'll, I'll, I'm bringing Brad Smith in uh, I think Cookie has to play because, again, I thought he was our best player at West Ham. Um, Frano obviously has to play and, and and I don't know whether he should be playing at centre-back or right-back this week. Um, I think Smithy's not done a lot wrong but Frano oozes class and I know he can't get up and down quite the same anymore but away against Palace do we need our full-backs to be flying on so there's an option Um, I'd like to find a place for Nathan Ake because I thought he just I I really liked the way he played and again I know it's only Morecambe let's not get carried away it's not going to be the same at Palace but um, you've got Ake and I think you've got to look at Wilson you've got to say as a guy who's got 150 Premier League games under his belt do we need that experience? So, again, you, you've probably got six or seven players that could play in the back four. And probably probably nobody other than Steve Cook at the back has got an absolutely nailed down position in the side at the moment. Frenner will obviously play, but I'm not quite sure where. Um, midfield, uh, Sermon has to play. Arthur, I guess, has to play. If Ake doesn't play in the back four, can we play Ake alongside Sermon and release Arter into a slightly further forward role? Um, Lewis Cook, again, I know it's only the first time I've seen him, so maybe difficult to judge a player. I wasn't hugely impressed at Morcombe. I thought he gave the ball away a little bit too much. Um, for for me, I would probably go Ake, Sermon, Arter, just just to make sure we're nice and solid, because I, th- cause I think like you say, you know, Palace are under pressure. They haven't picked up the point. Their fans will turn on them if things don't go well for them early, because um, they'll they'll be nervous. Um, my my front three is is Gradle, King and Ibe um, with strict instructions for Gradle and Ibe to stay in the wide areas and get their fullbacks. Um, I just I, I have to start King ahead of Wilson because I just don't think Callum Wilson's match sharp at the moment.
1: Yeah, interesting. But again, it's, you know, when we talk about confidence, you know, when you, when you, in theory, you're dropping a striker to the bench, that can sometimes have a negative effect. But yeah, I mean, for the good of the team, I think King, I think King needs to play. I think he's been bright. I think with Ibe, you don't spend all that money on a player like that and then not playing because, and we've seen in pre-season that he's definitely got the magic. Um, yeah, Lewis Cooks. Uh, I really like him. Um, I noticed that in this game against Morecambe, because it was more of a four-four-two, he 2, he wasn't sitting forward as much as he did when he's in that three. I like the fact he can float forward, he gives us three tight, but he can drift forward kind of behind the, the attacking players. Which, so for me, yeah, I'd agree, I would go with him, Sermon, and Arta as the middle three. Um, yeah, at the back, having watched Aki, I could definitely see a case for him, starting starting with Cook, with Francis on the right. Um, I, I, You know, Benteke, we know he's going to cause trouble. I remember that moment last year where he he took Elphick for a run, and I think Elphick had about 30 yards on him, and he ended up being behind him by the yeah. time they got into the box. Yeah. So we know what he's all about, don't we?
2: Yeah, look, Benteke is an aerial threat, and maybe for that reason, Ake may not start in the back four, um, as decent as he is in the air. I guess the other thing with Ake and Cook is, Ake's obviously left-footed, left-sided, and Steve prefers to play on the left, even though he's right-footed. He's he's made it very clear that he prefers to play on the left. Um, and, and and Smithy's done nothing really wrong to be dropped, but you might say, well, we need Frano's height in the middle, to deal with Ben Take, You might say Well we need Mark Wilson's Know-how To deal with Ben Teke So Yeah It's It's um it's difficult Eddie's got a few choices, A few decisions to make
1: So Rob Sam's not here And Sam Sam got off to A bit of a good start With his uh, His predictions We got the United prediction right um, He didn't get West Ham, right? And I think I I predicted West Ham to win, but I think I said two one. So I, think I kind of get half a point. So you're you're in the place of Sam Davis. What is your prediction for this game versus Crystal Palace?
2: I think I'm going to plunge for a one-one draw with Josh King to score our goal. Ooh,
1: okay, I I'm I think it's for a long period of the game will be the same. I'm going to be negative, negative uh, Nelly again, and I'm going to say 2-1 to Palace. I think the the crowd give them a big push. They need to get points somewhere. And uh, at the start of the season, I always felt we could be zero after three, and I don't think that's chaos scenes. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. You're going to pick a point. Neither of us think we're going to win. What do you think at home? Send us in your thoughts. You can get in touch via Twitter at AFCB podcast or on Facebook. Just search for back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Let us know your predictions. So, Rob, thank you so much for being back on the show and taking over amicably for Sam Davis. It's nice to have a a different voice on the show every now and then. So um, I'm sure at some point... I don't know, Sam will be off again somewhere and uh, we might need to get you back on. And I'm sure we'll hear your voice again soon, but thanks very much, Rob, and Speak again. No
2: worries. Thanks, mate.
1: So that just about wraps up another episode of back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker, and normally with Sam Davis. So, um, Yeah, the shows have been a little bit different over the last few weeks just because I was back in Europe for a little bit of time and then Sam's getting married and blah-de-blah-de-blah. You don't need to hear it. But anyway, we are, as of next week, going to be full... Guns blazing Because Sam Davis is going to be back And as a married man I'm back in New Zealand So it will be the two of us from next week But big thanks to Rob Frank For filling in in, uh, Reviewing the games and the previewing games Always love Rob's um, analysis of the games And I used to sit next to him for years Watching the cherries So uh, I know him pretty well Um, So don't forget, you can listen to this show on our website, afcbpodcast.com. You can also listen through YouTube and Mixcloud and Soundcloud. And on your phone, just go to your podcast app and you can listen to the show. Uh, Thank you to you for the donations to the show so um on our website there is a forward slash donate page and you can donate some pennies just to help keep the show on the air we don't have a sponsor business sponsor so we really do rely on you the listener to help us out just it costs us to put the show together and um, so thank you big thank you massive thank you to all of you that have helped us out so far um, if you didn't just want to donate some money, then you could buy the Eddie Had a Dream t-shirt, which also helps fund us. So go to com forward slash shop. Um, t-shirts look cool. Thanks to those that have ordered so far normally Sam does all this housekeeping stuff and I'm just here going, yeah, whatever, thanks for listening, so uh, I think that's pretty much it uh, predict a score, no, predict a score Sam's new competition where you have to predict every Bournemouth game, the applications close sometime mid September, I think, for you to get your entry in, it's absolutely free and it'll kick off at the end of September and you have to predict every Bournemouth game, who's going to score in the minutes and you get points and there'll be a league table and you can win dinner at Sam's house, like you're on holiday, or let you use his car. You, you can have his job, uh, his, his clothes, his t-shirts, whatever. You just you get ten minutes to go around Sam's house and take anything you want. I think that's what he left me a note to say before he went away. Ah, oh, no, oh, oh no, no. It said don't give away everything. Ah, sorry, Sam. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Um, hopefully. With some points on the Premier League table for our cherries. So, thank you once again for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
0: It is Callum Wilson.
1: Top flight win. Sports Social Podcast Network.